The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. This podcast contains teams and language of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. Hello and welcome to episode 11, season 3 of the Busted Barstools podcast. I am the Sasquatch and I am joined by the chief of controversy. It's the coach. We have a lot to get through this week. It's been an incredible weekend of sport and after all that we have our new segment the coach takes over so coach what caught your eye this weekend <clears throat> yeah it was a incredible weekend of sport i thought well of of general sports and in terms of um the rugby being back, well club rugby if you want to call it that or provincial rugby um on a european stage so that was really interesting i found myself glued to the tv watching uh, la rochelle rogers la rochelle who were a beautiful team to watch. Um, yeah. You know, Premier League obviously being back. Um, <clears throat> and I was keeping an eye then on the Texas Open as well and the Gulf with the Masters coming up next weekend as well. So, yeah, yeah look, it was really... Um, it was a great weekend to be sat in front of the TV. If only we didn't get the weather we got. <laughs> well, not the weather we got today. Um, obviously, we're recording on Bank Holiday Monday. And I don't know how it was in the big smoke, but... In the, the northern part of the County Mead, there was a good bit of snow today. Nothing that stuck or anything like that, but strange to see snow in April. But if that's the strangest thing we get uh, this year, <laughs> I'll take it. Given, uh, or this month, rather. Um, yeah, look, I suppose from in terms of European rugby, there was a lot. Um, the whole concept of a last 16, I'm not honestly sure I'm on board with it. I, I do prefer group stages straight to quarterfinals. Mm. I just think it makes it makes it for for better content. There was a lot of blowouts over the the weekend, both in the Challenge Cup and the Heineken Cup. Like Racing Metro absolutely demolished Edinburgh. There was a few wild wild scores, um, and not a great weekend, I suppose, for Irish rugby. Munster obviously losing to lose. Fans would have been a huge impact in that game. Connacht, unlucky against Leicester, but it was an incredible game. Ulster, they ran out quick. Like that was another kind of a hammering of Harlequins. Mm. And then Leinster, they're going through obviously, but it's it's a strange, strange turn of events. I'm not sure Leinster be over happy with it either. They, they'd probably like to get that game. Yeah under their belt uh, I'd have not, against quality when you think too. about that though I have no doubt that Leinster probably would have played an in-house game which is probably one of the hardest games they'd have all year 
in in a in a strange type of way. Obviously, you can't compare it to competitive rugby, but in in a in a backward sort of way, Leinster's second team against Leinster's first team is probably a, a tie that everyone would love to see. Um, but now they're going into a big game against Exeter, where Exeter were a, a team very much in form, and, and Stuart Hogg on the back of an incredible. Well, they're reigning champions, yeah. you know. So it's not the. Uh, yeah, that's that's arguably the the pick of the ties. Oh, I think and as well with the the layout of it. I'll just drag it up here. I don't. I think all the French teams seem to be on one side of the draw. Yeah, so it's well, I suppose it's it's La Rochelle versus Sale and Exeter versus Leinster, and that's one side of the draw. And then the other side of the draw is Bordeaux versus Racing, Clermont versus Toulouse. So you've a big a massive you're guaranteed a French side in the final it's, it's a massive turnaround in events for France isn't it like incredible six nations and then obviously having is it that five teams now through so five teams um, yeah look it, it's kind of common for France though to be fair um, it, it's young a lot of young players coming through good coaching staff I think that French French team is, is right on course for a World Cup jaunt anyway but then it's France. Who would you pick out at this so, stage to maybe pip them all to the post? Who 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 fancies? Who do you fancy in terms of to, to take it all? Yeah, like I mean, I mean, Clermont were good against Wasfjord. Well, I say good. It was a great game. <laughs> um, yeah. The one thing that's really odd, and I will come back to asking you there, but just to the strange thing about French rugby, and we just said there that you know it's an incredible upward curve and stuff, but. Toulon could almost do without that game against Leinster because they're in a relegation battle, um, if I'm correct in France. And it's they've had a, they've had an incredible fall mm. from grace. I think they kind of they invested heavily in older players, the likes of Victor Matfield and that type of thing. You know, I know he's gone a while or whatever, but I think they've kind of aged out. Um, not too up to scratch with the the top fourteen in France, but I. Do, do it does appear they don't have the money they once had. Yeah, and they're they're being they're paying for that now. Racing obviously are are they're a bit of a machine in terms of they started Courtly Beale at fullback and they had Simon Zebo on the bench, but Donick Ryan obviously played played the game. He's thirty seven, I think thirty eight in January, so he's still going strong in Racing. Munster probably could have done with him against Toulouse. Yeah, and and then we've got Zebo or her Zebo will end up. I know there's rumours and go back to Munster, but that doesn't seem to be coming to fruition. There was rumours of him kind of staying an extra year, but I think they've signed another winger there. Can't remember off the top of my head who it is, but I think they've got someone in. There's rumours of him going to Leinster as well. Um, it's a strange one, the the, the case of Simon Zeba. <laughs> does seem to be Did getting younger though. Some of the performances he pulled out are are, are pretty <laughs> pretty awesome, but. Uh, there's, well, there's something about the French rugby. I don't know. Something about the French rugby seem like Donegal Ryan is. Is almost thirty eight and he's arguably been playing the rugby of his life for the last five years. It's 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 a strange one. Um, so let's fly back to that question then. Who pips it for you on, in in terms of the European Cup, Champions Cup? I'd still say Racing. Okay. Now Racing made light work of Edinburgh, so it's very hard to say. You couldn't call it an acid test, say, because Edinburgh are way off the boil. But I just think the strength and depth, the quality of the players they have. I would say I fancy Racing to do it again, but 
Do you know, I exited up at them last year for a reason. So it's a hard, like, yeah, Racing probably. It's it's a monumental task for Leinster against Exeter. Mm. It's not just your your hogs. They're a great unit. Um, Simmons is, is 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 exceptional as well. So yeah. I would say Racing if I had to, but I think Leinster arguably have the toughest quarterfinal of the. Well, I was going to say of the Irish sides, but it's only themselves and Ulster that have quarterfinals next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Racing would be my favourites. Hmm, interesting. That's a, yeah. Look, <clears throat> there, there's something about that ground that they play in as well in the the uh, the indoor ground. It definitely, I think, plays their strengths and that rock star lifestyle, doesn't it? It's <laughs> it's, um, it's very, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'd imagine without a crowd as well, it's it probably retains some of the atmosphere possibly. Um, yeah. You know, I'm sure there is a couple of hundred people, staff and, and things like that. So, it, it look, I think it probably does really give them a little bit of a, a help there. But, but it just obviously, it depends on how the draw falls for them. Um, Premier League, we're back. We are back. International football is no more until June. Yeah, thank you. Do you want me to <laughs> pass over the section? or? <laughs> no, I'm all right. Go on, fire away, because... I. There was a an inter podcast derby obviously over the weekend which yes didn't favour myself. The mighty Merseyside Reds coming out on top against um, London Gunners. Lackluster, a very poor Arsenal side. Um, I think. Look, it's disheartening as an Arsenal fan, and but I do still think it's year one of a five year rebuild. If you want to go put it that way, I think Aubameyang needs to get gone. Like his attitude is terrible. It's so bad. And <clears throat> um, I've seen it the last couple of weeks. Probably seen it all year. To be fair, I disagreed with the act of re-signing him in the summer. And um, I just thought he was he was at maximum value there for us. Once he signs that contract, his his value is only ever gonna gonna decrease. His attitude. The incident at Spurs arriving late, I think it was his third infraction, refusing then to participate in the cool down after the game. And then just his general attitude, his attitude against Liverpool was terrible. He's like, he's broken COVID regula- uh, regulations to go get a tattoo. He's been late on numerous occasions. It's not just poor attitude for a captain, it's yeah. poor attitude for a 30 year old. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, do you know what though? I think the problem seemed to stem. Sorry, in terms of squad depth and things like that. Just like I don't know where it was Granite Jacket. He wasn't even in the squad the other night, was he? Against Liverpool. Yeah. I don't, I'm pretty sure he wasn't in the squad because I, I I was gonna back him to get booked first, and um, and they had him on Paddy Power. But when I looked at the squad list, I couldn't find him, so I didn't want to waste my money. But um, defensively, they were just. Oh, they were on over the shop I thought yeah no he wasn't even on the bench to be fair it's a, it's a great shout um, surprisingly I didn't miss him um, I know he obviously didn't start mm. but I didn't I thought he was on the bench for some reason yeah look I think there's a lot of the Arsenal squad that needs to be sold I think you're going to have to take a loss on a lot of those players but you just need to get rid of them I don't think I think we're at a stage where <sighs> Like, if you go through that starting side, go on, go through it. Leno, argue- you've got it there in front of you. We'll go through it and we'll see how many yeah, are actually top I'll go four. through the start. I'll go through the starting eleven. Okay, yeah. um, just alone. Bernard Leno, you'd argue we've made the wrong choice with Martinez. 
um, letting him go in the summer. I I flip-flop with Leno. This season's been very poor from him. But then I also look to what's in front of him. Kieran Tierney, we need to keep him. He's a quality player. Gabriel, the fence is... I'm kind of still on the fence about him. He's had a tough year with getting COVID, few injuries. But I do see a lot of quality in him. But it's it's I think he's a... He's perfect in a in a perfect back four, if that makes sense. But I think he gets pulled apart when there's weaker players with him. Rob Holding, good luck. Callum Chambers, good luck. Yeah. Danny Ceballos, good luck. Go back to Spain, be a hairdresser. <laughs> Martin Odegaard. This is a, a, a regular argument I have. Martin Odegaard is fantastic. Yeah. But big clubs don't sign players from big clubs and loan because it's a lose-lose situation. He either comes back and he's phenomenal and his parent club just takes him mm-hmm. back. Thanks for getting him back into form. Or he does well and you've got a in the like yeah. of in the, and you've got a bidding worn yeah. out from. So big clubs don't sign players on loan from big clubs. It just it doesn't work. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Um Aubameyang, see ya. Thomas Party. I like him. I like how he likes to go forward, but I'd be concerned already at this stage that he's injury prone. And we've had a few big midfielders in that ilk that have been injury prone since Vieira. The likes of Diaby and uh, his name escapes me. He went to Barca and then Alex Song. Yeah. He was injury prone to begin with and then he went money racing. Pepe, good luck. Um, colossal waste of money um, it always begs the question with a Nicolas Pepe he was fantastic in League 1 the season before we signed him but as a scout you have to have the ability to be able to look at a player and go he's fantastic in League 1 maybe he could make the jump to Serie A but the style of play doesn't suit him in England and he's just he's not going to get there Lacazette while he has um, like he's deteriorated in terms of physically um all the reports are he's a phenomenal, phenomenal culture setter in the club and uh, and actively leads some of the younger players in doing extras and stuff like that. The same with David Louise. These are the reports you tend to, tend to read. Matt Ryan, I go through the subs as well while we're at it. Well, further, further explain my plight. Hector Bellerin probably needs to go. Jeez, he looks great and he's a great model, but is he ever... I don't, I don't think... Once he lost his speed... I think he lost everything about him. Suarez, read a stat the other day since he started in the Premiership, and this is including his time at Southampton. In that time span, he's responsible for causing more goals than any other player. Probably needs to go. Paolo Mari, I'd like to see him get given more time, but then, like, my ideal pairing is Mari and Gabriel. Um, but they, they're both left footers and I know Arteta doesn't like playing he likes to play a left and a yeah. right four or I could have the, fo- the feet wrong but and the, the both have the same and that's why Louise gets so much time and Lenny great squad player great in the Europa League he's not Premier League quality Willian I thought he'd do more for us given he's coming to a contract negotiation he's what have we got he's left he's going to have an incredible eight games eight games left he's yeah. have an incredible eight games eight games, eight yeah. games left Reese Nelson, I don't know why he doesn't get a greater opportunity. The only op- like what I see is good. Mm. I think he's one of the he's in that group of talented Arsenal players. The only thing that's that that screams to me is maybe he's not great a great trainer. 
Um, Eddie and Ketia, yeah, I'm not a fan. And Gabriel Martinelli, he just he just he just had a few injuries, unfortunately. But I do like what I see. So that goal against Chelsea, when was it? January 2020. Um, and he's been injury prone this year, but there's a lot of good about him. Yeah, but see the problem there that you've got, like the amount of players. I think you've said three that you'd, you'd you'd like to keep. Like, where do Arsenal go for a team that don't seem to have an awful lot of money? Um, where do you go from here? That's like because I, I, I my, my from the outside looking in, I would say the players that you've named, I don't think they're you know break transfer transfer records or anything like that. You know? Oh so, no, no one's and that's and that's and that's why I was so against the signing or the re-signing of of Pierre Aubameyang. Because you could have flipped them, you probably could have sold him with six months left in his contract. For would someone have paid fifty million for him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then that starts the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. But now, if you if you haven't sold like Nicholas Pepe, you're there's no way he's going for anything more than twenty million. Someone might pay twenty million for him. They might might not. <laughs> like he's terrible. We're not getting back. What is it? Seventy five million paid for him? It's just. Yeah, she's really poor. Um, like you're at home. I do think and you've we're had a two shots with none. With, like two shots. You've. You, I'm just thinking. I'm, Paddy Power. I'm looking at the stats to be fair, here. Social. Two shots at home. Um, thirty six percent possession. One touch in the box. One corner kick. One touch in the Liverpool no box. No offsides. Ten fouls. Oh, it's not good enough, is it? And for some, for no, no un- unbalanced fair, reason, you had nine treatments. <laughs> what do you mean treatments? Treatments where someone's come off the pitch. Physio, physio, physio. Liverpool's nil. I don't. Because <laughs> they weren't playing, they weren't playing hard enough to to warrant that. Look, it, it was three nil. In reality, if it was five nil, I still wouldn't have. I wouldn't have uh, felt hard done by. Put it that way. Just very poor. We played like a team in the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. As a like. I know it had, like at that stage it had been it was mathematically impossible for Liverpool to retain their title after the City win yeah. but you're still at home and you're still playing the current title holders so like show some so we, we asked this <laughs> question uh, probably six around Christmas time and I asked you the question about Arsenal and when do you ask the questions so Arsenal are currently 10th okay two points behind Villa um, five behind Everton. Where? When do you start asking questions? And I know you said it's a rebuilding process, but it's a like financially, it's a massive rebuilding process. So, are you saying Arteta is going to have to promote within, or is he going to get a bit of a treasure chest? Absolutely. Or he's going to absolutely have to promote. Within. So, when at yeah. what point do you go? Okay, well, you know the players that are within, we we're giving Arteta to kind of get out of jail card because he has to use the internal players who don't have that much experience or. Do you know what, what is that a question that's worth asking the 18, next eighteen months? Say, do you give him the end back in the like, next season? Are you, are you when you say ask the question? Are you saying is it time for Arteta to go? Not, not so much to go, but we need to change something here. Be it the manager or be it you know technical directors or coaches or whatever. Like, I think what is the question to ask? Maybe. Uh, well, I think we need to ask the question as why are we committed to breaking down the high press when we don't have the players to break down the high press you'll see it so many times Arsenal turn the ball over and they'll actually they'll actually just pass it among the back mm-hmm. four until the opposition gets set and then moves on to us and then they'll start playing football and it's like why can't we play counter-attack in football while also falling back into a method of trying to break down the high press I don't get that 
I just think we need to develop more ways to play. It's like what we touched on last week about Kenny, in that there's no point in picking your style of play before you have your players mm-hmm. on the pitch. Do you know what I mean? You almost need to pick your players and then pick your style around that play. Yesterday, though, did show the value to me of Emil Smith Rowe. Yes. We see the like I see what uh, Saka does, and that's evident. But it's so hard to see what Emil Smith Emil Smith Rowe does on like because a lot of the stuff he does is off the ball, if that makes sense. And he he really very much connects the attacking side of Arsenal's play with the hole in midfielders and stuff like that and, and that's where we've had like our little successes this season <laughs> so he's arguably the most crucial player I'd say in the the Arsenal side at present I'm fully aware we you know Arsenal fans in um, in Ireland are probably few and far between the United, Liverpool and, and, and whoever but just to twist the knife a little bit more what happens if Leeds and Crystal Palace get above you? Finish the season eight oh, games you left your Leeds are level on points but with form um, and then Palace playing tonight, so we'll see how they get on. But what happens if you finish below Palace? We finish below Palace. Is that it? Like, no, no. Is that it though, or is it going, kind of going? Yeah, we're keeping our tether. But like you said there about Kenny last week that we spoke about, you need like you you change the way we're playing, or or that's it. Like we you, is 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 he similar to Kenny in that he will refuse to change the way he plays? Like, is it always going to be that way? I see. I see. I don't know. Like, and part of me says, this is this season for Arteta has been a see what players can play a system. What players he what can play a system he gets rid of, but he also has a few examples he can go to the board with, and he can say, look, when we played this style, this style, mm. and we had the players that played it, look what yeah. we did. Because you look at like some of the results they've had and some of the performances have been brilliant. But they're they're few and far between. Yeah. Um but then you can also point to well look at what we did against Wolves or look what we did against Villa. Um and this is why I need these players. So it's almost as if this season is his argument for investment off the Cronky family, who have finished off the stadium in LA who have finished off the work they were doing with Denver. So now the Cronky Sports Management Program needs to have a quick look at Arsenal, please. Um yeah. is is where I be. But I know I know what you're saying, like, but is a season out of the Europa League really all that bad? Is the question that I'd be be throwing out there because mm. playing on a Thursday and playing on a Sunday is It's not good for the heart. It is yeah, and we've had three or four seasons of it. Look, I will put you out of your misery. Um, Tottenham 2-2 at Newcastle. Um, Mourinho again. I don't know. A 2-1 up. You'd, I suppose as, as any Spurs fan, I'd probably be hoping to park that Mourinho bus um, or park it a little bit better. Southampton seem to be back in a little bit of form. 3-2 against Burnley. The one that stuck out for me, obviously there's, there's more results there. Um I don't want to go through them all, but West Brom obviously beating Chelsea and Stamford Bridge 5-2. Strange game. Strange Very strange game. game. I know we were both giving each other a few texts. Is it all over for West Brom? As in, are they, are they safe? Are they, well, not safe. <laughs> 19th with 21 points. Fulham ahead with 26. Next is Newcastle, 17th with 29. Is, I would say Newcastle are, are one of my favourites to nearly go down. They're in, I think they're in a lot of trouble. 
um, Newcastle. They just and now I know they got the result yesterday, mm. but but by God, they're just they're not like if you look at the form guide. I think uh, I think it was like it's like four draws and a loss in the last five. Whereas like Fulham seem to have turned a corner. I think they lost in the weekend though, but. Yeah, no, just for having, I'm looking at the results. Yeah, like Newcastle, uh, lost. Yeah, it's not even lost, draw, 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 loss, loss. You know. So. Yeah, you're no, you're right. But my my, I suppose the question more so is, can Sam Big Sam save this? Yeah, I I think the only team I would say is gone, gone is Sheffield. So he's got he's got eight games. And he's eight eight points behind Newcastle. West Brom have done this before, don't you? Got under Tony Mowbray. Yeah, Do you remember that? in the last day of the season, but, and they and they were in a similar position. It's they complete. It's completely different situation now, obviously. But. This is this comes back to something I said because I actually thought over the last few weeks Fulham were doing quite well since Christmas, and Scott Parker's had them drilled well. But if you remember a conversation I said about they've just from my like you can have just too many loan players that may that may just be the difference between 17th and 18th that you've got a lot of loan players obviously playing for their careers and, and whatever but don't particularly care what happens to Fulham next year and I get yeah I get that and they've also of the teams in the drop they've played one more yes as in Burnley, Brighton uh, Newcastle West Brom and Sheffield have all played 30 whereas Fulham have played 31 yeah, if I had to pick, if I could pick my bottom three, as in, who went down, not who I think will go down. Wanted to go down. It would be she- Yeah, it would be Sheffield, Newcastle, and Brighton. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. That. I haven't got a lot of time for Brighton. Um, Newcastle are just playing terrible football. Um. And Sheffield are gone. Sheffield are gone. Yeah. There's a couple of boys there that may suit a couple of teams as well. In that Sheffield squad, yeah, there is. Uh, I know some of them are aging, but particularly in that back yeah. five, there's one or two I think that could stay in the Premier League. Well, well, if if, if you are coming up to the to the from the Championship, would you not? Yeah, sign David McGoldrick. <laughs> but or would you not? Yeah, you probably would. Yeah, but like particularly, he'd do a job for you. Yeah, he, he's he got goals, but what is he? He's probably he's thirty two, thirty three now. Yeah, I know, yeah, but I, I don't mean as like your star striker, but I mean as in a, Shane Long an Oli Giroud, a, a a brilliant plan B. Yeah, no, you, you probably would, and, yeah. and they've one or two centre-halves as well. Like you'd... A throw a, a throw him into the mixer type of bloke. Um, yes, so the Premier League is back. Upcoming this week, it's back, the Champions Shampoo. League. Um, Liverpool, Real Madrid tomorrow night. Liverpool's have their tails up I suppose Madrid meh it's, it's Hazard's, Hazard's been ruled Hazard out has well. been ruled out yeah it's a weird one for Madrid this season I, I feel um, Spain the, the, the Spanish kind of La Liga is like Madrid are second but they're all trying to lose they're, they're, I think they're trying to lose yeah all these teams it's um, Atle- Atletico lost as well on the weekend didn't they Um that notification flash across the phone sometimes. Um, Atletico lost 1-0 to Sevilla yeah I did yeah I did watch a little bit of that um, Madrid won against Ibar 2-0 I 
But yeah, I, I, I can't particularly say Madrid will have their, their tails up, you know. Um, they've been on a weird kind of form, lots of draws. Um, so look, that, I don't know, obviously we, we did speak about it being ties at around or whatever. Coming up this week, obviously as well, who have we got else in the Champions League? City Dortmund. And it's around that time where City <laughs> get a bit nervy. Yeah, they do. We also have the glamour tie. This is Munich Paris. Yeah, sensational game that. Um, Port and the uh, the whole the whole same Mourinho derby, Porto Chelsea. Mm. Tactical the tactical derby of the round. Um, yeah. Yeah, really excited for for this week in the Champions League. Um, but then it all accumulates this weekend with the Masters. It's back. Masters golf is back. There will be. Bet slips flying around Dublin workplaces, South Dublin workplaces. Um, <laughs> it's like the national, isn't it's it? It's like the national. Um, um, you'll get tips about sore backs and you know broken nails and and whatnot. I'm gonna have to cut the cut across you because you did you did did jump over some very important fixtures this week in Arsenal versus Slavia Prague <laughs> and Granada versus Man United in the Europa League. Obviously, the mighty Dinamo Zagreb have a glamour tie against the Yellow Submarine of Villarreal. And, well, the real glamour tie in the Europa League is Ajax Roma. That'd be an interesting watch. You let them games out there of of this podcast, won't you? You just. (laughs) What? You let them games out, won't you? (laughs) Yeah. For all our listeners. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, look, Ajax. Europa League is a funny one because people don't um, obviously value it as much. But some of the games are put, like, where else are you going to see Ajax? You're not going to go and watch Eredivisie on the weekend, so <laughs> something to watch of a Thursday night. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a punishment for the, the clubs involved. I don't know why it can't be played on a Wednesday night. Yeah. The TV rights, obviously, I know that. You can give it the 6 like, o'clock slot. You're open I, first, I, I, a little warm-up. I don't, know how, I don't know how many people are tuning in as neutrals on a Thursday, realistically speaking. Mm, yeah. This like fair enough if it's a weekend when there's no cha- a week where there's no Champions League they will, mm. but people kind of watch it just to watch it. If that like they don't really want to watch it. Yeah. Now look, TV views are TV views, but I really don't understand why it can't be played in the same night. If it's not your team, you don't watch. It's one of them, isn't it? It's like. Yeah, or you'd probably watch like Spurs fans will probably watch Arsenal in yeah. the hope that they lose because Slavia Prague have knocked off a few people actually. They knocked out Leicester. And uh, so Rangers, off. Rangers, yeah, yeah. Rangers. Yeah, they knocked out a few British sides, so um, maybe. But yeah, sorry, the Masters. Sorry, sorry the Masters. Yes, yeah, so people will be salvating um, at the Masters coming back. I think people they like to stay up that little bit later. Um, you know, they've they've probably played yeah. a couple of public golf courses in their time and, and and think they can pick the winner and probably six of the ten places that you know was going on their on their Paddy Power app or whatever it might be, whatever kind of betting form you're used to um, Speed coming off the back of winning in Texas this weekend uh, did have him back myself thanks for asking um, he's co- he's coming in third favourite at 10 to 1 Bryson DeChambeau the people the man that people love to hate um, so I don't know if you're if you're aware of Bryson DeChambeau but his, his big drives where he tries to do cut corners and but people have to tell you that it just doesn't work in Augusta um, but yes yeah, yeah. uh, currently he's the current favourite um, it was 
it was DJ Justin Thompson this morning, but Bryson has now just shot in the 17-2 favourite there. So just a quick, I suppose, five or six. Bryson favourite, Dustin Johnson then 9-1, to one. Jordan Speed 10-1, to one. Justin Thomas again 10-1, to one. John Ram 11-1, to one. Rory Mack, our Irish hopeful, 16-1. to one. Um, But yeah. Any odds in Shane there? 60. The people's champ. Yeah, 60-1. to one. So if you want to get down to your local Paddy Power app or maybe on your phone in this current pandemic climate Paddy Power do have 10 <laughs> places and let's, let's get behind Shane this week um, in Augusta so yeah and then I suppose to top off next weekend as you, you touched on a little bit earlier European uh, Champions Cup rugby is back and it is going to be sublime if you've never watched rugby or you're a neutral it's the weekend to watch I'd say yeah yeah and look Ulster, uh, we, we kind of skipped across the yeah. Challenge Cup as well. Yeah. So you, you've A fixtures, you've Ulster Northampton is on again on the Saturday. Well, it's it's the 8 o'clock game on the Saturday. So you probably have a late Premier League fixture or Ulster Northampton. Montpellier, Bennett and Treviso, Les Tigers move on to play Newcastle. And then on Friday, you also have the unofficial Fifth Province. You've Bath versus London Irish. I don't know if anyone caught the game against Cardiff Blues on Friday of last but it was exceptional. It was a, it was a brilliant game. To 14. What was that? Yeah. London Irish down to 14 men. Well, 13 at one stage. The man sent off and somehow came back to win that Did game. you watch yourself? Was, I watched, yeah. I watched, I watched most of it. I watched it in parts and then I went back and watched the highlights when I seen the foot. When I, I kind of, I left with 20 minutes to go. I was, There's no way to come back from mm. this. I, an errand to run. Um, and I seen the full-time score and I was like, oh, so I made sure to go back and watch the highlights. So. It's it's it, the the London Irish scenario is, is a, f- and yeah, I won't mention any names. It's a funny one because a particular a particular player that seems to be not, I suppose no he he's definitely mentioned by BT sports panelists, but they refuse to kind of acknowledge <laughs> what's happened in the past and, yeah, but I suppose legally, he's innocent because he was never found guilty. So they can't acknowledge the past mm-hmm. if there's no. Yeah. I'm I'm sure they'd be done for defamation to, to act like he's not an innocent man. Can can they? So just to give you an idea, because he was acquitted. Yeah. So Jordan Murphy is the panelist on BT Sport that would have to. I suppose they they have a an Irish spin on on most of their panels. I suppose because of the players that are involved. And uh, mention a word, not a word, a sentence saying. I think it's. I think something along the lines of that. He hopes to see this player in a green shirt again, as in an international rugby shirt. And I got a bit of backlash on Twitter. Well, say the names. Yeah, it, look, it's 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 Paddy. It's, it's, Paddy Jackson. it's Paddy Jackson. So I suppose it's one of those things. There's no conversation to have about that, is there? At a higher level. Um, at a higher level. Well, like Paddy Jackson came with a cost to London Irish as well. They for decades were sponsored by Diageo or Guinness, mm. and as soon as Guinness Diageo got word of this, they pulled. Yeah. They ended their relationship with London Irish, and they've had that relationship for a while. It, it's kind of London Irish is is kind of it's seen as a beacon to the Irish community in London, of which is is quite significant. The thing about Jordan Murphy, without being disrespectful to Jordan Murphy, he played his career at Leicester. He's coached at Leicester. You wonder how much he has his finger on the pulse in the general consensus in Ireland, mm. um, given that he has spent the majority of his adult life in the UK. Paddy Jackson is playing okay. He's not playing exceptional. Um, people look at the results sometimes and say he's playing exceptional. He's kind of around an all-star class. He's 
uh, an all-star cast. That, that London Irish side has recruited heavily. Yeah. Um, they they recruited Nandolo. They've Curtis Rona, who's a rugby league convert from the Canterbury Bulldogs, and he's an exceptional player as well. Um, he's very good at rugby league anyway. And then they've Nick uh, Phipps, former Australian scrum half. So you obviously and Sean O'Brien can come off the bench as well. Mm. They're a good side, London Irish. And it kind of goes back to what I've said about the future maybe of Irish rugby yeah. is that get comfortable with the concept of a mediocre fly-off because you can achieve a lot in Union with a mediocre fly-off. And Paddy Jackson's played good. Like, he's played good rugby. I'm not going to say sit here and say he's played bad rugby, but he's not... I don't see him as impro- having improved from his time at Ulster. Okay. And at that stage when he played for Ireland, he was poor for Ireland. So, it's a, it's, it's a, it's probably a case of if you were to leave your ethics and your morals at the door, it's still a case of once bitten, twice shy for me. Um, I, do, I don't think he's an, he's an answer for Ireland at present. He's only 29, on, but... On, on answers for Ireland. Uh, watching Joey Carberry for Munster, and I know we're going back on our rugby thing, but I noticed a lot of listeners um, that I had been talking to over the weekend, talking about... Uh, what does that mean for him? What does the weekend just gone mean for him? Mean for Joey Carberry? Nothing. Nothing. He's he's coming back from a from a lengthy playoff a lengthy layoff. There's gonna be poor performances and there's gonna like people act like Joey Carberry was Dan Cata. The seal sign sign deliver. <laughs> yeah, but like he was a bench player and he offered a different dimension for Ireland. And arguably that was in the time when, when Irish rugby was at its Probably at his precipice, unfortunately. Um, so he was coming on when we were in the lead, and you know, probably at the game one. Mm. If we're being the only exception, probably is that Ireland game in Chicago. And I think every Irish player that played in that game in Chicago automatically gets viewed as a lot better yeah, than they actually yeah. are. Before we put the pin in the first half of the show, um, is Joey a 15? He has the option to play there, yeah. Would you say we should have left him at 15 as a natural um, successor to Rob Kearney? That was one that was tallied to me over the weekend, one argument. Should have stayed at Leinster and made that 15 shirt his own. Um, well, did he want to play fullback? Is the, is the, is the other thing. Mm. If you can't, you can't turn around to a player and say, look, unfortunately... Like if a player feels that they're good enough to play a certain position and they want to play that position, you have to kind of almost back them. I feel, um, and he, he might have been like, "No, I, I actually want to play fly half. I I can play full back, but I believe I'm a fly half." And you have to kind of let him back himself. Try experiment. Look, the injuries are unfortunate. Maybe judge him halfway through next season, or maybe the Rainbow Cup would be exceptional. But look, why don't we take a quick word from our sponsors and return after the break? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. 
Hey everyone, it's the Sasquatch here from the Busted Barcelona podcast. This episode is produced in partnership with our friends, the Square Ball, located just off Marine Square. Doing it rough at this moment in time with the pandemic, so make sure to give them a follow on Instagram, give them a like, give them a share, and hopefully someday soon we'll all be able to get back in for barbecue, pints, and sport. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the penultimate episode of season three. We have a new segment for you this week. It is entitled The Coach's Takeover. So coach, why don't you explain it to the listener? Look, essentially I suppose people will know me as a, as a controversial um, figure, spearhead, whatever you want to call it. Just a couple of points that have irked my bones um, over the last little while, um, week, two weeks possibly. Uh, just a couple of things that have pop, popped up that have, have irked me and excited me, I suppose, as well. One of one of the points I want to talk about. So I have three kind of discussion topics that I want to get your feedback on and the, and the listeners' feedback on, maybe, if they can get involved. I suppose, as you as you mentioned there, the penultimate episode, we might have something in a, a surprise goodie bag box down the line that kind of reflects or, or aligns itself with this. So keep your eyes open and your ears available. Um, but I suppose that's to kick us off. Um, the Dublin footballers um, getting photographed training last week at a 7am allegedly pitch booked session. Nine footballers and a coach and some cones. Now, this I'm, I am mentioning this because I know you'll probably have strong feelings on it as well as I do. But it, it does go on to it does go on to a, a broader point for me. But we'll start on this and. I suppose going into my broader point is all about GAA elitism, professionalism, or whatever you're, whatever you're having yourself. Um, look, it's it's not like you've seen those new points of Guinness. Guinness clear. It's it, look, Dublin are not clear. Um, the GAA is not clear. It's maybe 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 the reason I was only nine the session was because Dublin finally took Colin Morrock's advice on 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 hold and agreed to split it in two. <laughs> First of all, give me your thoughts. My personal thoughts on the Dublin fiasco. One, it's definitely not the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, in that it was 12 hours after a government announcement as to when GA could return. So, doing that, that's the case that it was the first. It was an incredible tip-off. I wonder how long they had the tip-off. And what if it was... If the media, I think it was the end of it, actually broke the story. If they waited for the perfect time to release this story, like how well was it known? There's obviously people will say, look, every other, every other county is doing this, and it, it's been going on for months, whatever. But we don't have that evidence. We have the evidence of this one session, um, taking place in the early part of the morning, where it's quite clear the Dublin players, uh, Brian Fenton. Johnny Cooper and Brian Howard, isn't it? Yep. Ryan Yeah. It, it's a it's a strange one. I think the ultimate punishment for Dublin has already occurred. In that, everyone like this Dublin side, arguably, as people will say, the greatest. Intercounty side of all time and players who are whiter than white who never got involved in any issues or anything like that they're now not whiter than white and they'll always be like this it effectively it's cheating 
in essence. I know it's quite a harsh thing to say, and probably a, probably seems a bit, but like in the aspect of fairness, no side was to be training until the nineteenth um, of April, I think. So they're getting a the jump start. They're probably the side that needed it least. Um, but, so I don't know where to uh, look. I, I have absolutely no doubt whatsoever. There's other intercounty teams doing training and pods or whatever. However, I'm not sure they would have been booking things. I'm not sure people should have been allowing them book things. Um, they fight for elitism, yet they refuse to pay players. Um, you know, Dublin players we all know get an like a hideous amount of support be it from their jobs that they've happily fallen into or luckily fallen into that we jobs that you know we they're just pure we, they're not in rural ireland um for other people uh they've got marketable faces because it's I suppose, possibly the size of the county and and these these jobs and roles that they're in the kind of their benefits are, i read an article the other day about how adidas in 2000 and uh, it was when the Predators were big, so, um, you know, probably around 06 to 08, 010, around that, that area. Players were getting five grand and 15 pairs of boots. Now, if I was a footballer for Wicklow, just say, well, I'm not going to have that benefit. And these are benefits, granted, I know Conor Mortimer was one of them and, and things like at the time, there was a couple of Mayo lads and that, but in in largely they were kind of well-known Dublin players and, and things like that. And I'm, I'm, I've absolutely no doubt that other players in the squad would have been, would have benefited four or five of the players getting Adidas deals. I've I've absolutely no doubt there. Um so it, it really it really kind of irks me, I suppose, and I as I said, I've no doubt other other counties aren't doing it. But would this have all been okay had they been in their local parks GA pitch kicking points and gone for runs in, in twos or fours? Yeah. Probably would have, yeah, to be honest, because like <laughs> Uh, in the broad light of day, part, I'm part of it now. too. Part of it too is, it's. It didn't just this didn't just irk country folk, mm. and this irked people from Dublin too as well because everyone's doing it rough, but they felt that they were above. And I know, like from what I've heard, that club is it's it's quite remote. I think it's out by Malahide, is it? But it, it's yeah. quite hard to get down. But they still drove down in their sponsored cars. Yeah. Um. So, look, my personal opinion on the on the whole thing about, I think you're obviously alluding to this new paywall that's that's been lobbied. Yeah, we'll, we'll get um, there. Yeah, <laughs> and as as the weather, GA should remain amateur. I don't think it would become amateur for and slightly controversy theorist. The losses of the GA were this equivalent to the IRFU this year. The IRFU's players are fully professional, so they pay their wages. The GA plays nothing, allegedly, to these players. So it it kind of speaks to how poorly the GA is run. And a lot of people take extreme offence to that. And I'm not trying to, but the GA as an organisation is explicably poor run. When you also consider the fact that the IRFU handles the female version of their game as well. Mm-hmm. The GA is, is a, as you know, three organisations. You have the LGFA... Camogie and you have the GA which just handles the men um, and all three of those NGBs get quite a proportion of government funding as well whereas the IIFU and the FAI get a similar level of funding 
but they then split that between men and women's programs. So I'm not really sure what my point is, but I think I don't think the GA will ever go professional. I think that boat has sailed. Right. Well, I'm gonna, I'll push you on the point a little bit. Uh, so we, we've we've touched on the whole the COVID thing, and actually might go back to that. Just seeing if if you think that ban, um, the twelve weeks, um, is for for Desi Farrell is sufficient. But look, can my, my I suppose the the broader question here is is can the GA remain amateur? Like, is it a possibility when you consider, like, is there a lot of people being lost here in that, um, and I, you, you touched there on, on the paywall, and, and that's kind of where I was going, alluding to that, I suppose, grassroots men and women made the GAA, and that and, and still do to this day, they they run the GAA. And that's the ethos. Yeah. That's the ethos. The but GAA. are they not, the GAA, by, participation. by having, even over, over the previous years, there has been a paywall on certain games, uh, on Sky and, and things like that, and air sports and stuff, and what I want to know, like, is that if if the GA are claiming finance for this, should that not be reimbursed because players are the entertainers, essentially? Like are we and at the same time we're cutting out rural Ireland. Like many people, you know, people in rural Ireland, like older generations, they just don't have things like Sky or or, or NTL back in the time or whatever brought whatever user you get your sports channels from. So are they not just cutting out the mainstays uh, of their organisation? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's I think that's uh, slightly disrespectful to anyone not from Dublin. That <laughs> you, you think the old people don't have what well, if you don't have Wi-Fi? Is it where? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. I have an incredibly fit hamster, and especially during the summer, summer months, he can he can power a whole computer. Um, so I think that's very disrespectful. Um, but you, do you see where I'm getting at? There is you're trapped inside your M50 bubble. <laughs> There's no, but look. Yeah, look, I I understand where you're coming from, and I do. I do get the paywall aspect of things and stuff like that, but there's been arguments from the GAA, SAS, to say to suggest anyway that the pay per view model is financially essential to the health of the GAA. Now, I don't, I I don't doubt that it's like it does play some part in the financial health of the organization. But the, if the players, the wages of the executives yeah. in the GA is detrimental to the health of the GA. So is is that so, like? I suppose yeah. The the main line here, can you even is it is it not completely unethical and immoral to run games where people are paying to to come in at the gate and to view on television when the players aren't getting nothing or allegedly getting nothing. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be unethical if there wasn't executives on 60 to 80 grand a year. Mm. And, and more. Like, a lot more, to be fair. But... <sighs> the GA... The problem with the GA is the GA itself. It's 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 so backward um, in its very essence that these executives, these administrators can hide behind amateurism when they are themselves fully fledged professionals they can't take it forward like people are like people are this style of playing GA the fact that no one's broke it down in the last 10 years we've not had a new influx a new wave of coaching principles to break it down like if you look at Dublin's dominance or prior to that if you looked at the 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 dominance of the Ulster style of football the kind of sweeper play like 
how that still hasn't been broken down. It's a very negative style of football we're witnessing. And the product, the rule changes don't marry up with someone looking to... Like, the problem with, with GA is the hand pass. Mm-hmm. Football is, is meant to be played with your feet. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just hand passing all over the field. It's low scoring, high possession games. And they brought in the mark rule. Which further slows down the play of yeah. the game. If you want an exciting product as a team sport, you generally need to inch, find rules that introduce more fatigue and more scoring chances yeah. or like promote the skill. So all the mark does is that if you can catch a ball now, you just it just slows the game down. It's just... The mark for me is one of the most ridiculous rules to come into any sport in the last while. I I personally believe they need to start plucking rules from basketball. You should have a set amount of time. You should have a shot clock, I think, mm-hmm. and to stop this back and over the field. Yeah. And once you leave your half, you should not be able to go back into your half. Yeah. Or it's a turnover. The, I suppose. And you, like, yeah. Go on. That's well. That's I don't. I, I kind of get angry and I don't really make a lot of sense when it comes to GA because I just I just see such a poorly run organisation to tie um, to tie my two points together okay some people will look for saying you know Dublin or any other county Wexford and Hurling Galway and Hurling whoever it might be they should be allowed training because it's a elite but how, I I am unsure of how you can be elite without being paid I, I don't think like I know Pat Spillane came out during the week, or maybe it was two weeks ago now, just saying how can kind of first division clubs in League of Ireland and women's football teams and the women's League of Ireland, how can they be elite when the GA isn't? Well, they've laid their marker and there's players getting paid in it and making money in it. Well, I suppose, I suppose, well what do you want to define as elite? Is it simply that you're getting paid? Because in, in all fairness, mm. like that Dublin panel is probably more elite than, than some of the, the first division yeah. sides. Like and and I'm not having a dig at League of Ireland mm-hmm. there or anything like that, but in terms of what it what it takes to get onto that Dublin panel, given the you you you've kind of would have studied sports yeah. science and stuff like that. So you'd know the foundation pyramid and, and if you want to increase the level at the top you need to increase the numbers playing at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's far more it's far more competitive to get into the Dublin panel than it is to get into a League of Ireland yeah. League One side. So I do get where the GA comes from with this that like are we literally just saying that once you get a paycheck from it it's elite regardless yeah, like, of I'm sure there, there's absolutely players in the lower teams in the first division and the women's leagues that aren't getting any so you're right what is it that makes it elite well is it the structure yeah. the organisation structure is it I, I don't know we don't know the answers and no one has really from the GA or from from any from the government I suppose or has come out and said well this is what makes you elite um, yeah, but I suppose by the GAA hanging that umbrella over themselves by being solely amateur, kind of gives that the false positive. If that makes sense, like that is the that's the stick that's going to be used to beat them with. Yeah, you know, and I get that, but yeah, the the, the whole classification of elite is a, is a strange one. It's something I've always struggled with in terms of regulations. Like there is far more people around the country that could name you. The Dublin panel, hundred percent, yeah. Players in Dublin panel, they, they can play like Athlone. They can actually even name, 
Well, not even that. Even the top of League of Ireland couldn't even name a player on who's top now. Finn Harps the present. They know yeah. they're not. They probably won't stay. But or then Dock, like they could probably not even name the Dock players. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And then Dock have been in the in the public eye given their exploits in Europe over the last few years. Mm. Like, and that's just being painfully honest. Yeah. So, okay. So look to finish off this this seg this this period. Kind of went nowhere, did it? Well, <laughs> look, we, we we're not going to get the answer. We're looking for every like it's. Uh, it's yeah. a debate worth having in relation to the band though what I would say in relation that's exactly to the what band, I've come back to just the band yeah that's that's Dublin's band the GA still haven't issued, at the time of recording haven't issued their response their punishment mm. 12 week ban is convenient for Dublin because it means look yeah he's going to miss the league if if, if the league does go ahead um, which is still a bit of uncertainty about but he'll be back for quarterfinals and championship which will be Dublin's first championship it's, fixture it's kind of um not having Desi Farrell for any game does it really matter <laughs> like oh, no, that the players manage themselves that doesn't sure. is oh, well anyone can step in I'm sure it's like Barca yeah Stevie Wonder could step Pep in and them. kind of yeah. Yeah. yeah he might not be able to do the tactics oh, yeah, board, no. but look um, but yeah I suppose it's just it's kind of a voluntary ban obviously isn't it from the WGA because it is aligned with what Cork and Down got in the early part of the year yeah, now the only thing about the Cork and Down one is the Cork and Down one were breaches of GA protocols. They weren't breaches of government protocol. Mm. So not alone can the GA still come in and issue a sanction. The Irish government can still come in and, and, and issue a sanction on top of that. So this, I thought they'd try and get it done before Friday, given the long Easter weekend. But hey, Well, look, they can't find them, can they? Because it's an amateur sport. Well, they can because they can find you or me. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, they could find them as, yeah, as um, individuals, residents yeah. of the Republic of Ireland. <laughs> yeah, of course they could. Absolutely could find them. Find them all each individually. But like I said, I do think the the damage to that Dublin team's reputation and look, you've you've cheated before, how do I know you're not going to cheat again type thing. Um, I think that's far more damaging than any punishment they're going to get because likely, like, they're not going to the GA definitely aren't going to ban those players for the season like I've heard some people like, because that's their money makers a full hill 16 hopefully um, at some stage this year would well it won't be a full hill 16 but if they could get any dubs through the gate it's it's big money for the GA so those players will be banned for the season look any look, uh, any publicity yeah. is good publicity isn't it so um, okay moving on because we spent way too long talking about the degenerates um, Mina Royola hits back at claims that he's negotiated a 160 million euro transfer um, target, I suppose, over Erling Haaland's head. Um, now, I suppose there's been a lot of claims this week that the reason for Erling Haaland's 160 million euro fee is to get Royola 20 million for himself and to get Erling Haaland's father, as we all know, Alfie in Haaland, uh, 20 million also. Um so I don't know. People would have seen pictures this week of Raiola and Haaland Senior visiting Barcelona's new camp, um, Madrid also as well. It's believed they're on a mini tour of Europe, and they have visited Germany previously also, I believe, and they are in the process of heading to the UK now. So I suppose do super agents, and there is only I can think of maybe two or three of them at the moment. Um, when I say super agents acting in this realm of of transfer. Have they got too much power? 
absolutely um absolutely but the the issue for me anyway is like the football clubs can can easily deal with this they need to set around a governance code for agents it's too loose mm. and that's like is Rayola the fellow sorry that's over Pogba yes correct yes um they've way too much power this this has actually happened in other sports and what they've done is they've brought in their own set of regulations and either a club or a player can report that agent so and a recent example for me is Isaac Moses and it's an NRL example but it's the most recent one I can think of was the super agent for the NRL basically and what he would do is he would what he was doing was he was agreeing to go contracts basically with other clubs then going back to the club the player was currently on and saying this is what they've offered Um, you need to match it or go higher for him to stay but that that broke their protocols and one player came out and reported him and he is suspended from doing business in the NRL for the next three years so whatever the the rules like there's no way ethically you can justify Haaland senior getting paid 20 million for it. It's a very strange situation, right? And I'll tell you why. Haaland has a release clause in his Dortmund contract of 65 million pounds. So the figure of 160 is or I think they're going I think they're saying 154 pounds sterling. It's bizarre, as in just to go both, and it. I suppose this mini tour ultimately is to get the clubs and go. Look, if you give that amount, um, it means the two of us get our share. You can have him. Well, like his mind, he's not kind of attached to to anyone. I suppose in terms of, it's it, it's not like he's from Merseyside, wants to go to Liverpool, or from Manchester, wants to go to United. It's it, it's not that at all. It's purely, um, financial, and and we do forget sometimes. Erling Haaland, I'd say maybe two seasons ago, was the most, well, seemed to be, sorry, the most down-to-earth person that kind of stayed out of the, the limelight to a degree when you've seen his interviews and stuff. He wasn't a big fan of them. He's still 20 years of age. You know, it's really mm. sickening to, to kind of... And to, to be honest with you, I would have expected more from a father who has been in that situation. Okay, wasn't the biggest player in the world, but has been in that environment before. Well, he probably wants him to go to City, um, <laughs> given the history. But Pep has been quite vocal mm. over the weekend. I don't know if you've seen yeah. that. Um, City absolutely have the money to buy a striker, by the way. <laughs> but Pep has had run-ins with um, Raiola. Raiola in the past yeah. and doesn't want to deal with him on any player. So I think that's why he's he's getting his uh, he's getting his shots in now. Now he's not buying a striker because that's the striker that's probably going to go this summer. I, is Mbappe going to go? I think he might get another year in PSG. What type of... What difference do you see in the transfer market coming next summer? In terms of pricing structures? Do you see a lot more Thiago to Liverpool style deals in that, you know, a lot more broken down deals in terms of over periods of time and a lot less <laughs> it's, transfers? It's, it's, it's still difficult to, to see what effect Brexit's going to have. Um I mean, like I know we had the January transfer window, but that was definitely during the like it was during the three month embargo period 
um, on Brexit. So it's hard to to know what impact that's going to have. <sighs> There's already been a new model lobbied for the Champions League. I don't think this uh, this project lobbied by Liverpool. What was the project big? Yeah. I don't think that's going to die. Um, at that point, then you see the big, big clubs getting bigger and richer. Um, and the small clubs almost drifting away. So I'd, the future of the transfer market is extremely hard to, to, to quantify. The, I suppose the only way like, to limit it or to, to make it more of a fair playing field, because we do have, we obviously have financial fair play, but it's not really fair play, as we've seen from City. It's an absolute joke. Yeah, it and, an and Chelsea joke. and stuff. I suppose the only real way to do it is is go a similar way to MLS and where you might get three kind of franchise players or whatever, or five maybe on, in Europe, because just there's more money there and stuff. I suppose it's the only way to really level the playing field. The salary cap boat for professional football has been missed and okay. it could only ever come in if every league adopted it and there's too much disharmony and too much like if they brought it in in Europe say and, and if they somehow managed to get um the the, the big big five leagues in, in Europe sorry Premiership League League One big five I'm saying now but Serie A, La Liga, and Bundesliga. Mm. If they got all them to somehow agree to the, the terms that... Well, the Bundesliga are actually pushing for it, to be fair. Somehow agree to a salary cap system in place. And all across Europe, each squad basically had the same amount. And and as you went down the leagues, whatever, it could reduce whatever. Then all of a sudden, then, the Chinese Super League is an extremely attractive option to players, as it already is. And the Qatari League is uh, is an extremely attractive option. You know, like, I think football has missed the boat on a salary cap sport. I mean, it's strange because it's the only one that doesn't have it. And they could even have adopted a soft cap structure similar to the Major League Baseball and the NBA. Where it was a luxury tax applied. You can go above if you want, but you're playing a luxury tax. Who would that luxury tax go to? So just say, let's use City for an example. If they were paying the luxury tax, who would that luxury tax go to? The luxury tax goes back into the organisation. Mm. So it would be back into the, the Premier League or whatever. But it also, it's not just a tax on you, it's a tax on future salary caps. Does that make yeah. sense? So say, to keep it simple, if you were 20 grand over the salary cap in this year, next year, 10 grand of, the, of 10 grand is taken away from your salary cap. So, so instead of being on a hundred, you're down to ninety. You look, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. So this year so you're you, 120 you because you're twenty more over, more. and so next year you're taking ten away as well. So you're down to ninety. Yeah. Look, it's so greater greater emphasis to rebuild mm. your your organization basically and different ways. But yeah, no, I think you're right. So. There's just way too much um, money and marketing involved, isn't there? And, and image rights, and there's a lot at play. And agents. And it's a lot easier done in America. A lot easier done in America as well when it's one yeah. league. Yeah. So, you know I mean? It's one major league. Um, and uh, yeah, football is just, it's just a mess that's going to continue to be a mess. Yeah. Moving on to our last topic of conversation. And this is a funny one. Um, so, I'm not sure you've heard of this, Sass, but League One, Liga One, Uber Eats, sponsored by Uber Eats at the moment, League One in France. 
they've lost television rights and they've lost a big a collapse of a TV deal look we've spoken about it numerous times about the big leagues in the world and I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone going yeah I'm going to sit down and watch um, a bit of Breast and PSG now tonight so they're, they're at, they're at a, a problem over there and Jan Pascal Guyane a professional economics a professor rather of economics um, in Le Mans University believes French football must reinvest itself to create a more competitive environment which we all agree with I think um, but he thinks the easiest way or the best way to do that as a result of the TV deals falling through is to add the two Glasgow clubs Celtic and Rangers um, to perk up their TV audiences and expand the kind of the, the marketing, um, <sighs> I suppose, capacity of, of the league. Uh, he, he went on to say the Scottish League's a bit wobbly at the moment. 12 teams meeting three times, um, then five more games to find out who wins at the end of the season. It, it's, there's, it's a structural imbalance, which we it's a very similar structure to what we have in Ireland. Um, it, so, look, it is what it is. It's just... It's it's hard to say which is the perfect structure structure I suppose when you have such little teams in a league, um. So, the title in Scotland hasn't been won by a non Glasgow club in thirty six years. So, do you think we're given that brief kind of overview? Do you think there's anything in this? Can Celtic and Rangers move to League One? And I suppose I'll go, I'll move on to a flip side once you address that question. No, it just I uh, yeah I don't know why. Yeah, like to be fair, League One, PSG are dominant now, obviously mm-hmm. with money. And the issue probably in France is that it's unlikely anyone can ever claim that back. Like previously, it fluctuated. It was usually Olympic Lyon for years, and PSG every once in a while the year did Ronaldinho, and I think maybe Marseille slipped in one once or twice, but largely speaking, League One. Uh, um, has been has been a one side competition as well. So yeah, no, I, I don't think uh, culturally or, or or logistically that's a great idea. Uh, I th- I I see the benefits. I suppose I suppose where this guy is coming from, um, Professor Jan Pascal Guyan. I suppose where he's coming from is in relation to Belgium and the Netherlands. Um, are due to link up in twenty twenty five. All going going well. Um, I see benefits for Ireland out of this. I see benefits in some capacity for Celtic and Rangers. If it was to go ahead, in terms of players will want to play there. I don't see benefits for Celtic and Rangers in that they will never play in Europe again. It, they will never they'll but, never play in the yeah. Champions League again anyway. They they can ride off any hope of that. Um, why does why, surely it make more sense for PSG to just join La Liga and have three teams consistently batting it out and then you've got parity in League One mm. surely surely look I, I think he to be fair to this professor he does go on to say it's inevitable that we will end up with a Super League um, similarly to what you just touched on in our last piece there so it's just fine and I suppose if we did end up with a Super League so you take your PSG and you'll probably take Maybe it's Marseille or Lyon, as you said. Like I don't know who the the second best team would be, but say two of them leave, I, then maybe it becomes a more competitive league with better television rights, possibly. Um, the reason I mentioned that I see a lot of benefits in this for Ireland 
is it's come out again this week about the All Ireland League that this Kieran Lucid uh, businessman from Kerry has uh, spoken about in the past. You would have seen it in newspapers and stuff about IFA and the FEI linking their leagues together to make a bigger All Ireland um, league. So I suppose is do you think are, are we are we being a little bit um, short sighted in this? Is this something we should probably now start to go similar to Pro Fourteen and maybe tie in Scotland and Wales? Or one or one or of. Well, who, who, which Welsh sides are you talking? Are you tying in the New Saints? Yeah, TNS. Yeah, who wins be... the Welsh League? Them, yeah. Um, probably should have already happened. Um, to be fair, I don't know why you couldn't have an Anglo Celtic League. Now you pro you you probably have to do that with the caveat that Rangers and Celtic aren't going to be in that yeah. league anymore. And realistically speaking. She's. I think Hearts and Hibs, Aberdeen, a lot of those SPL sides would probably rather compete in League 1 or League 2. I mean, then... Yeah, I think it's a funny one, right? I think it, we do have to see an All-Ireland League, right? I would like to see something uh, kind of, as you said, Anglo, Anglo-Scott, Welsh kind of format. I, I don't know if, if something Champions League-y would work. There's probably not enough in it. I think it would have to be League... The reason, like, the only way I could see people like your second tiers, your Aberdeens and things like that competing in your hearts is if you're literally taking maybe the top three teams from, say, the Republic, the North, Scotland. So in Scotland, it'd be your third, fourth, fifth, and maybe your top two in Wales. Um, and that, that it's a league. Is there not a, is, is there not a huge gap, though, between those sides? I, I think... Like, the, if, if, if Aberdeen played Finn Harps in the morning would they not absolutely slaughter them they would absolutely hammer uh, Finn Harps yeah but my thinking here is that over 36 games uh, you know 12 whatever by 3 or whatever way they work it these days like Shamrock Rovers won the league last year at a, at a saunter and double digit point score so if you're taking the likes of Rovers and you're Dundalk who have obviously massive American money who are probably in a bit of a rebuild season themselves and Maybe one other that probably are going to be a bottom part table. Like I, I, I can't see why Rovers wouldn't compete with the likes of Harps, Hearts, Aberdeen, and I don't know whoever your your next one would be. Hibs maybe. Um, similarly up in north, your Glentorans, your Linfields, things like that. Like these are teams that are regularly in Europe and do, to be fair, get a a, a decent run. Um, a lot of the time, so it can only it can only make those teams better. TV rights will be another big thing. You'd imagine, like they they are talking in the region of, and I don't know where this where they've got the figure from. Four hundred million euros for TV rights for this All Ireland League is is the number being touted. So, you know, any reports on on how how su- successful fiscally um what LOI has been? Not yet. Um, the format they've done it this year because of the pandemic is they've only gone about half the season. So I fear. We're only two games in, so I fear that we will not know anything for at least, like, how can you put a figure on something when there's still additional members? I think I think we're probably going to have to wait till June to get a figure, to, get a figure um, to be honest. I don't, and, and even last year, I'm not sure how honest they were with that figure. Um, I know, apologies, 400,000 euros, I know I said 400 million, 400,000 euros per year from TV income and additional sponsorship 
for per club that is per club per club yeah but it's it's but in the grand scheme of things that's loose change isn't it four hundred thousand is that really going to change a whole lot i think in ireland it probably would yeah yeah okay yeah like you're you're looking at but like it do but do you think an sbl side would come here for four hundred thousand yeah, not a chance. Oh, I think if you're looking at, at the SPL table and you're thinking your fifth, six, seven teams, I think that uh, look, it, it it's like, not well, something that's well, out there at the moment. Put it this way. Um I think that would be a significant step down for those SPL sides. I also think what's the argument that you can actually win your title? I don't I think clubs think value that less and less, unfortunately, as time's gone by. Like you look at the regression of importance the FA Cup for example and the reason for that is because the FA is dumping the wage bill on that and it's only worth 3.4 million whereas it's 16 million just to make the group stage in Champions League so it's it's, it's going to come down to ones and zeros as opposed to gold and silver medals for me yeah and I don't think so very fast yeah, look, I just hope we follow in the same ilk of kind of Belgium and Holland obviously they have a lot more bigger teams um, a lot more money to play for there and, and probably I suppose they more rely on gate receipts than TV to be honest with you in, in those kind of mid-region yeah European. well the population of Holland is 40 million yeah but then you look at the Baltic states so Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia they're looking to also and that's probably a more realistic target for us they're, they're looking to do the same thing with those three um, Baltic kind of countries there so yeah it, it's one of them you're going to have to wait mm-hmm. and see with this, this all-island league I would just like to see a little bit more of a pro 14 kind of approach to it yeah I, I think it works in rugby I'm not sure it works in football given the the money that's already there um, but all-island league definitely mm. should be I just I'd imagine and I'm, I have no basis only pulling this from nowhere I reckon some of the northern clubs just don't want to playing in all our league they like being Northern Irish <laughs> but look why don't we why don't we wrap it up there oh sorry um, oh competition time competition competition time okay so let me pull this out of the hat as you can see oh it is a hat which is a no it's a pencil 2020 case 2020 sideline knit that you can win from USA Sports and the winner is MK NFL podcasts. So if you've heard that MK NFL podcast, make sure to hit us up on the gram or if you haven't, if you're not listening, we don't worry, we'll reach out to you. We'll get you. We'll get you your hat. Don't worry. Um, anything else to add, coach, before we, we sign off? I just want to tell all the listeners to have a great week in the big sport meet that's coming with the golf and the rugby and Premier League and Champions League. Incredible week. Oh, yes. A lot, yeah, a lot. And bet responsibly, um, obviously. Don't forget about, don't forget about the NRL in Australia. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, um, when we when we call it there, take care, and good night.